0: Hey, babe, you're listening to episode 66 of the Beam Life podcast with an amazing, inspiring guest, Kelsey Chittick. This episode is special to me, not only because of Kelsey telling her triumph of life through loss and grief and navigating this next chapter, but also because I got to be a part of Of the equation, which was helping her with the project management portion of her book, second half: Surviving Loss and Finding Magic in the Missing. Not only are we going to talk about her book, but what I really like about our conversation is that we get into what does life look like now after losing the love of her life nearly four and a half years ago? And Kelsey, you will hear in this um, episode her sense of humor, um, her ability to just speak realness on what it's really like, and um, we talk about dating after death, we talk about what parenting has looked like, Uh, she has two teenagers, um, and also, you know, what her outlook on life is now after going through such immense loss. Kelsey is a writer, comedian, and inspirational speaker. Over the past 14 years, she has performed stand-up comedy all over LA and speaks at events around the country. She is also the co-creator of Keep On, an inspiring and humorous podcast that explores how our greatest obstacles turn out to be our greatest gifts. Growing up in Florida, Kelsey was an accomplished student and athlete, an NCAA championship individual qualifier, and captain of the UNC women's swimming team. And she was married to Super Bowl champion Nate Chittick. Babes, buckle your seatbelt. You are going to absolutely love this episode. I just know it. So without further ado, let's get this party started. Hey, Beam Babe. Welcome to the Beam Life Podcast where we are all about honoring your truth, prioritizing your passions, and unlocking your potential. Let's go. I'm your host, Caitlin, and it's my calling in life to create this community of like-minded, kick-ass women ready to make moves and live a life they are obsessed with. So if you're ready to be everything and more, babe, let's get this party started. Oh my gosh. Hi Kelsey. I am so excited that you are here. Finally, we made this
1: happen. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm so glad we just shared stories of both of our kids being sick Yes, and making it through the holidays, but it's so good to see you.
0: (laughs) You too. And what I'm like most excited about our conversation is that we have just such an ease and flow and I expect there to be not only really good conversation around guilt and grief and being able to help women see hope in that, but also some humor, which you do so easily and well, and bring some light. That being said, I'd love for you just to tell the listeners a little bit about you.
1: Sure. So, um, well, first of all, Caitlin knows intimately my story because (laughs) I've been working with her the last two years. Um, My husband and I met in 1997 at University of North Carolina. I'm gonna sum up our life. It was beautiful, (laughs) it was a gift. He was exceptional. We had two kids, a boy and a girl, and lived in a little town in El Segundo um, inside of LA. And we had a really great life um, until November 11th, 2017. Um, I was away for the first time on this kind of spiritual retreat journey in jamaica where i had gone because my anxiety was super high for a couple years and i just needed a reset on my life um i needed to become more fearless and feel more connected to something bigger and on the last day of that trip my husband um, had a massive heart attack in front of my nine and 12 year old and he died um on that day and the rest is kind of um the story of my life. Um, that was that big period on one version of me, and then the start of a whole new journey that I've been on the last four and a half years. So um, that's kind of just the overview. And then I wrote a book about it. And that's where Caitlin came in. And yes. so I started journaling pretty soon, like the day after he died. And over time, those journal art entries became stories. And then I was able to kind of put together a a book about our love and losing him. And then more importantly, you know, writing down what I wanted it to look like a year from now, two years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now. And, um, here we are four and a half years out and that's the story.
0: Ah, I love it so much. And yeah, I've got my, my book here. This is like the seventh version. I don't know. We've printed it a thousand times, but this is, this is like my untouched that's like pretty version Indeed. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so i um yeah as i mentioned in the intro that you know second half is such an incredible book about your journey and kind of honoring your husband and also everything you went through but also what i love the most is that you are so honest and real and it's just who you are as a person and so this book is while it's a fast read, it's like deeply felt and it touches you in a way that is unlike most books that we read. And so to everyone listening, like, even if you haven't experienced grief in terms of death, we've all experienced grief with COVID, right? Like in some sense of losing. And so this book came in at such a beautiful time, um, and being able to work with Kelsey and kind of really work through some of my own grief and letting go. It was such a, a powerful thing. So I just am so happy that you decided to make that decision to put this in a book. And, you know, one thing I remember when we first, first got on a first call together, you were wearing like your eleven eleven necklace, right? And I hadn't, I didn't know anything about your story. And I was like, oh my gosh, eleven eleven, that's my birthday. And you're like, oh, well, that's actually the day my husband died. And I'm like, oh, okay. But then we felt like, you know, then there was like, you told me this whole story of alignment with eleven eleven, And I was like, this is meant to be this relationship. And it's been amazing ever since.
1: It's really interesting. The 11-11 has the people that I've met who either have lost somebody, been born on, or um, have some relationship to that date is mind-blowing. It just doesn't make sense. Like yeah. Some of the most important people that I have met over the last four and a half years that have helped me through this, like yourself, through this journey of you know, moving, moving forward and accepting and, and all the grief they all are connected to this number. And if you read the book, you see that this number is deeply entwined in the story and it just gives you great peace or at least it gives me great peace to know that like there's something way bigger going on here. And whenever I get yeah. caught in my own little world of my problems and my issues, you know, and I, everybody always says, oh, the sun rises and sets, but that is pretty amazing that like every day yeah. that shit happens. And that's really- Every cool. day. you say shit, is this a shit? You can
0: say shit, fuck all the okay, things.
1: Perfect, I can't <laughs> talk without cussing. So that would have been a problem. Um, but I do think that's, you know, when I, I, get, I get nods all the time. And sometimes that number is the first nod that I get from someone like, you're in the right place. So yeah. that's really yeah. cool. And
0: Thanks here we are. We're in the right place. We've we we made it another day.
1: My shirt matches your wallpaper. Yeah. So I don't really wear it any better. <laughs>
0: And we both have messy buns, so it's good stuff. Yeah. Um. So it's one thing to journal about your experience, which is probably pretty common for people in the stages of grief, right? But it's quite another to put it in the book for the world to read. Right. So why did you decide to make that choice of putting it in a book?
1: I've always wanted to write um, and I wanted something I, I definitely knew early on, like this is the most painful thing in the world. There has to be some service for it. Um, I think if you knew Nate, my husband was just really an exceptional human being about giving back. And for a long time, I didn't know what my gift was. I didn't know what I was supposed to do or what my purpose was. I was just busy being a suburban mom, like uptight about like who my kid's soccer coach was. And like, did my kid get the right fifth grade? Teacher. Totally boring shit that like drives me insane now. And I, I knew I wasn't living my best life. And so I think when I started to write down all the stuff that was happening, it felt like for me, everything I've learned up to that point, and I I grew up in a very spiritual, open-minded family, all these tools that I had been taught since I was a kid that always annoyed me, meditation, um, visualization, positive affirmations that I just rolled my eyes at my entire childhood, but then sneakily in my twenties and thirties, I would use them. And then all of a sudden every single tool I had ever been given, I had to put to work extremely hard. And so when I started to write about it, I was like, man, this could be, this could be something that I could share that might help somebody because there were a ton of books that really, really helped me. And there was a ton of books that I hated deeply and wanted to set. Yeah. So I was <laughs> like, maybe I'll write a book that will help somebody because yeah. you do need, you need books during grief, because you need to be able to go somewhere quiet and process it with someone else that's not talking back to you. And so totally. It lets you modulate your need for help. And um, it just makes you feel not so alone. So I knew pretty early on um, I wanted to put it into a book, but I had no expectation about it for the first time in my life. I wasn't like, I hope it's a bestseller. I hope it's, I was just like, I just yeah. want to get this down and make sure my kids know the story of their parents' love and that they see what they made it through. Because it's funny, you start to forget. You literally yeah. forget the hard times and what you're capable of. So that was kind of my motivation for the life story to be put down. And then hopefully write a book that helps somebody the way some books helped me.
0: Yeah. And it has, I mean, even like I said, I haven't knock on wood experienced grief in that same way of losing a partner. Um, you know, some listeners I know, in this community have lost their children. Um, you know, but what I love what you wrote and you did share it in the book, right. And you said it is that you used to care so much about the small stuff. Yeah. And I honestly think about you and this book, when I get caught up in that small stuff where I'm like, cause we're at different stages, right. In the motherhood journey, your kids are just a little bit older than my daughter. And I think about that. Cause I'm like, does this really matter? does it really matter? Yeah, And the answer is always no. So I'm like, why am I wasting this precious energy when we actually have zero idea what could come next? Right. And like everything could literally change in a flash as you experienced. And so it does, it, it affects your book has affected me. And I know so many other people just based on The reviews and feedback and commentary, and it's it's just beautiful. So you did an amazing job of doing what you set out to do. Um, Could you imagine when you first started this journey that you would be here now with your book?
1: I mean, it, it, it has been the coolest experience of my life because for some reason, I mean, it's awful because every single like saying that we hear growing up, they're true but you just it doesn't matter until totally. you're serious. like i wish you could just be like enjoy every day well it's very hard to enjoy every day until you've had a crisis and i never believed that or like you could die tomorrow i truly believe i could die tomorrow like i i've seen it happen yeah you're yeah jumping with your kids and gone and i don't know and i i still struggle with this question all the time can we can we accept some of these truths without experiencing them can we just ex- can we just experience it intellectually and really live by it. Or do you, do you have to pay the toll? Do you have to pay the toll to become the next version of you? And I, I'm torn. Some days I think you have to, I think that you have yeah. to go through the worst of the worst to come out and feel the best of the best. Um, a lot of times I just feel like we're so many of us are sleepwalking through comfort. Comfort's a really yes. nice place to be, but it's boring as hell and there's no growth. So I think what I'm more clear on now is really enjoy the the comfortable times, but know that like you're literally just stagnant, but take a breath, like you're floating, just rest, rest, because then if you're on this great journey of life, you're going to hit a waterfall and you're going to crash and you're going to be gasping for air, but you've been rested, you had your comfort and now you just move forward. So I think the book, I always knew I was meant to do something different than what I was doing, but I had no clue what. Um, and Nate was probably my biggest supporter. Like, when are you gonna get out there and do your thing? Like, when are you gonna show the world mm. what I live with? And I was like, who has time? I've gotta yeah. get to the videos. I mean, how, how great to just write a book or be a writer. I don't have time for that. Well, it's funny, because all of a sudden when my whole world fell apart, I had plenty of time, which makes no sense right. in crisis. But um, I'm just not afraid. The biggest thing for me is I spent my whole life so afraid and everyone says yeah. this, but I literally was riddled with fear and anxiety. Super uptight, super overachiever, and now I am the opposite. I am so relaxed. I have complete um, acceptance that I could be gone tomorrow, and that I yeah. want to live today with joy and ease. I think it's easier when your kids get older to do that. Um, I've also seen my kids who I thought they could never live without their father, and they're they're living. We yeah. all, and so that's surprising because you can handle way more than you think. Um, So I'm excited to be here. The response to the book has been one of the great gifts of my life, obviously. And I know this is
0: just the the beginning, right? Like this book has its legs and it's just beginning to sort of um, reach even just like outside of your circle, right? right? Because it always starts here and then it like starts to grow and thrive. And it's just, I don't know, it's amazing. So I know that this is just the beginning. And like, as we kind of chatted about, and we've mentioned a couple of times, we know that everything in your world changed like that, you know? And so have you been able to have, I guess, closure, if that's the right word or, um, to kind of live in the present. And I think you kind of answered that about even with your kids, but what has that been like?
1: I, I would say I'm, I'm, I'm going into my fifth year um, I always knew. My mother in law said something. This like weird number. She told me for every, you know, you believe shit that because you want to. She said for totally. every five years that you were together with someone, not a child. That's a whole different ballgame. I'm talking romantic partner. Um, it's one year of, of deep grieving. So we were 21 years. So I, she used to tell me, you've got four years of hell. And then it's going to start to get brighter. And so, for some reason, I held on to that, and the book came out right at four years. Yeah, um, I have, I, I have a great sense now that I am the luckiest person in the world because I was loved by the greatest man for 21 years. And I think a lot of people may never experience what it felt like to be married to Nate. And it was just to have his light shone on you and to love his the children that you made with him. I just am really clear that. For a long time, I thought I got screwed. And now I'm 100% clear that I am lucky. Um, It's not the story I thought it would be, but I also am expecting great miracles to come and great love to come again. And so I, um, and I mean, if you knew my husband, he would just be like crush life. And he only lived for 42 years, but he had what most people would call a very, very impactful and a life well led. So It's just changing. I mean, I spend a lot of time just changing the words that I use or the feelings that I have and making it into something that gives me gratitude. And it doesn't mean I don't miss him terribly, but now I kind of revel in those. I still am really, really broken by his death, but now it feels feels good to miss him. I don't know if any of you have watched Afterlife. Brilliant. I haven't seen
0: Afterlife. I don't think so
1: brilliant with Ricky Gervais. It's so good, but it's just, it's this duality of, I'm so grateful. I miss him so much because it means I was loved so well. Like, can yeah. you tell about that? Like, I don't know. I mean, you can, but it seems like it dishonors the person. If sure. You stay miserable too long, because I would assume they're cheering for you to just like get up and not, I, I know there's this movement, like we've got to all learn to grieve and really grieve. Well, yeah, but like, also we need to live. Just make sure you're doing absolutely both at the same time. make sure they're yeah. like running parallel.
0: Yeah. And I like everything you, you know, you compared it to being able to, um, like what your mother-in-law said, you've got to do the grieving. Like you can't just like, be like oh, nothing happened. I'm going to move no. on, but cause that's also equally as unhealthy, but I do agree with you in a sense of where this movement is with processing grief and taking time while that's like beautiful and wonderful and needed. We do have to live. Um, especially, you know, you've got two young children and it's like being an example of light for them, but I also commend you of not always having to be perfect and show them like, Oh, you don't have to be sad. Like I'll be sad for you, you know? And you write a lot about that. Like in the book, it's like, let them process their sadness and their grief on their terms. Um, Yeah. And I'm sure it came in waves, right? Like, it is can
1: The kids too, I think, and I think it's important if you have kids. And I do, I talk to enough people. I do believe if you are the parent left standing, you owe it to the children to find joy. Because if you ask kids what they want, they want their parents happy. No matter what, that is the number one thing a child wants to know their parents are okay. Because if their parents are okay, they're okay. So there's this real interesting balance of letting your kids see your sorrow and see your sadness. And where how I finally have understood we've done it is Nate is well and alive in our home. There are no secrets about his death. There is no shame. There is no embarrassment. There's a ton of sadness, a ton of missing, and there's a ton of jokes, and there's a ton of stories, and there's a ton of, he is a part of our life. And the people I know that are most damaged from grief when they were younger, it was like it didn't happen. Yeah. Or- It's all they ever talked about.
0: Yes. Yes. There was no way to move forward.
1: There was no way to kind of modulate and and just kind of flow through. We're miserable. We miss them. We're lucky we had them. Totally. Mom's on the floor in the bedroom again, crying. Look at her dry humping a stranger at a dance floor. Yeah. Totally.
0: That's how we flow. (laughs) flow.
1: Always end with a dry hump on a dance
0: floor. (laughs) I'm in for it. I'm in. So. Something I would love to know from you, because I think it's, it would be just an interesting perspective because I, you know, through my divorce, I really learned who I was prior, who I was during and who I am after. And I feel like there could be, and maybe I'm assuming a similar experience through who you were before you were married, who you were during your marriage and who you were after his death. Right. And so who was Kelsey married to like Nate super larger than life, super bowl champion. Like you just like big, 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 both physically and, you know, personality wise. Um, and that's for the other partner can be a lot. Right. Um, and so, who were you then? And who are you now? And what advice would you give to Kelsey then, if anything?
1: Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't change anything. I mean, and I'm a big believer in that. I, I wouldn't change anything about my life. Um, I don't have a lot of regrets because they, I really have always been able to kind of twist them to go, well, I wouldn't be here. So I wouldn't trade my life. Yeah, um, exactly. some things were more painful than others, but um I was super uptight as a kid and a teenager and in college. Super type A, the type of kid that everybody wants these days, like driven for straight A's and a scholarship (laughs) and just a real just it was achievement, achievement, achievement. I'm a I'm a three on the Enneagram, so I need to be liked. Two surprise. I I need to be liked. I need everyone to I need everything to be okay all the time. I need to succeed. And it was fucking exhausting but i didn't yeah. even it was tough i was tough growing up i was tight i had and then when i got married i married the most fun free connected human being on the planet so as much as we loved that and we balance each other i spent my life what do they say one's a rock and one's the balloon my husband was like like the biggest balloon you know? he yeah. was a I don't a hot know, air balloon. He was a hot air balloon times 400. So I spent my time being the rock, being like, "Get the fuck back here. Like come yeah. back on yeah. the planet Earth. You can't just party all the day night." So I got really tired in my marriage and I got really exhausted because I felt like I was managing everything. Um and I think if I had loosened up, he could have come down. But he was trying to balance my uptightness and my anxiety and yes. my rigidity um and that's when I think I started when, when he got sick a couple years before he died that we didn't know. So my husband played football and he had CTE and then a heart issue from playing football, but that's another story, but I could pick up yeah. on something and the, the sicker he got and the calmer he got, the more aware I got of the things I didn't like about myself. Cause I didn't have to be so rigid. And I was like, Oh, well, I don't have, I don't have to be so uptight anymore. I started to recognize that I was mm. kind of not a fun person to be around as he changed. I started to change and it got me feeling wonky. After he died, it blew up every perception I had about myself and all the things I was afraid of, but I, people had told me, oh, you're strong. You're, you're tough. I, I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not any of those things. Yeah. But then through the last four years, the biggest thing I've stopped that stopped, I've stopped doing is being afraid. And I never, I always wanted to, I mean, I read the books my whole life. I just didn't know how you do it. Um, and I realize it's a practice. I think I thought it was just like a change. And I think it is in some way, like you can do a change yeah. with a dispensa, but there's work to be involved in changing a neural pathway that you've relied on your whole life. 100%. Yeah. And so even if you want to change and you try, you know, you try to think yourself out of it, it just, it's practice. And for me, it's meditation. For me, I spend a lot of time quiet. My kids are older. They're almost 14 and 17. They were 9 and 12 when he died but i spend a lot of time in quiet i'm an outgoing person but i i really have to modulate my internal self so now i would say i'm super fun yeah. I have mushrooms i have wild sex with people that i'm dating things that you nate is like you gotta be fucking <laughs> hitting me. you're doing all this stuff like who know. yeah like who is this yeah, i'm not afraid of trying things i trust i trust new experiences i trust I would have never ziplined because I would have been like, that's, that line is not right. safe enough. I don't want to have, pa- I'll be a paraplegic. And then if, now I'm like, I'll go naked down the thing because of- yeah, it's fine. Right, yeah, Because you can't control it. it I, I might go, but I want to go naked on the zipline. line. Um, so that's where <laughs> yes. I am having more fun than I ever dreamed of. And yeah. I'm grieving my husband and I feel, but I feel everything feels deeper. Everything feels yeah. bigger and better. So That's kind of the person I am now is the person I think I've always wanted to be. She's much more laid back. She doesn't care that much. She says things to people with just no disregard, no, no regard, no regard. Yeah. Um, I just feel like I'm more honest. I'm not, I never, I cared what people thought so much. Um, Yeah. And now I really think I'm good. I mean, I'm, I'm working hard to be the best person I can be and that's enough. I have a really strong faith in God and something yeah. bigger than me. And, um, I'm much better. I mean, Oprah was right. Mid forties, fifties. What if you can get, if you can make it there, there. it's, it's good. a dream. <laughs> and motherhood gets easier as the kids get easier. Yeah. I just I want to know all of this only makes sense if you don't have children under 10, There's yeah. just, I'm much. like, they need too much. I'm waiting. They need waiting. too much. Of you just don't have any time.
0: Yeah, it's. Um, I have a feeling my daughter will need too much of me until I don't know the day I'm gone. So well, your daughter, your
1: daughter will because they own you. But you're. Yeah, oh, you have a son. But if you had a son, yeah, they, you know when the kids get older, it's like God gives you a gift because they've been so clingy, and then when they're teenagers, they don't want to see you. And everyone's like, "Don't you miss them?" I'm like, "Not at all. No, no." About them wanting to be with me, zero. I love that we all sit in our own rooms, yeah. and do our own thing. it's, I think it's great. a Beautiful way to live. <laughs>
0: It's so funny. My, my mom was saying the same thing. Cause my daughter's in the, like every five seconds, it's like, mommy, mommy. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I love you. Yeah. I love you. And I'm like, I, I love you too, but we've said this 764 times in the last 60 minutes, um, and so. But my mom. hate you eyes, when you're 13. Yeah, she you. goes. She won't say "I love you" from the age of 13 to 18. So she's making up for it now.
1: I'm, I mean, my daughter <laughs> despises me, and she used to crawl up in my uterus up until like yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, if I even walk in the room, she's like, "Get up, get out. Yeah, it's 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 amazing to watch. It's how they break away from you too. Yeah. You know, it's totally. how it makes it easier for them to say goodbye when it's time.
0: Yes. Yeah. And for this day and for that day to come, you know, it's like, I can't wait till she's like, you know what, mom, I'm just going to go in my room. Okay. Goodbye. Oh Everyone's like, isn't
1: it hard? Don't, Aren't you missing them? Isn't it going to be hard no. when they leave? I'm like, let me check in. No. <laughs> we good. We've all had a good 18 years together. And I love them, you, really, but I believe in flying. <laughs> goodbye. Everybody. Totally.
0: Fly the nest. Come home. Yeah. Home is here, wherever you want to come back. But. <laughs> So you've touched a little bit on it throughout our conversation, but I'll just be point blank. Are you interested in dating again? Or are we dating again?
1: (laughs) We have been dating. You know, I have learned a lot about myself. First of all, that I never had good sex until my husband died. Bless him. And he, I can feel him shooting me through the walls of heaven, those hot walls in heaven. He was super sexual and I just was super uptight and super uptight. People are not good in bed
0: amen uh, to that. They are not.
1: <laughs> no. And I think when you grow up and I grew up in a Southern kind of just like classy girls don't have sex, you know, and this whole yep. idea, but it wasn't like religious in my family. My mom, It was just, there was a lot of fear. Like you could get pregnant, you'd get an STD, you could blah, blah, blah. Totally. So I had like, sex was never a safe place. Um, and I, I mean, I remember I've been pregnant like a thousand times in my head, but only twice in real life. Yeah. Um, I mean the fear, I mean, I would French kiss and I'd be like, I am pregnant. Yeah. I think I need to take a test. I'm <laughs> always pregnant. If I was a lesbian, I'd still be pregnant all the time. I would be, I'd be like, I'm still pregnant. They'd be like, it's not possible. You didn't have sex with me. Totally. i will still be pregnant. Um, so I had a lot of fear around sex and Nate, that was Nate's like one complaint about me. Um. And so I think I was committed after he passed away that I wasn't going to, I was, he obviously talked so fondly about this thing called sex that I didn't understand. Right? And so I got committed to saying like, let me open, let me be fearless here too. So I, but I, what I have realized is I'm not a like dater. I'm not a bumbler. I'm not a tender. I love being married. <laughs> I did not see that for you. I love being married. I love be an intimate relationship that is monogamous. That's just my style. Um, So I have dated, you know, a a couple great people and I'm dating someone that I really enjoy now. Um, I'm just trying to hold things lightly, which is not my strength, but I do enjoy being in a relationship. I think when you're a widow in suburbia at 44, although it'd be really cool to be like, eat, pray, love, go to Italy and have sex. That's not possible. (laughs) So I do enjoy having a partner. I wish I was cooler. I, I go a lot of places by myself. I do, I'm do. the seventh person at dinner or ninth person at dinner. I have no problem <laughs> with that. But it is, um, it is nice when I get to have that I'm dating someone that I really enjoy, that we have fun. And there's no expectation because I don't have to have kids with them. I don't have to marry them. We don't have to move in together. I strongly suggest in your 40s live separately from a man. It's a brilliant yeah. idea. I also strongly support separate beds. I think I will keep yep. that. But now that I've been alone in a king size bed, it's very hard to imagine anyone snoring next to me. So I'm just going to be like a starfish. And it's like, I don't want to share this. Yeah. So I, I would say I'm dating, but I pretty much know within the third date, if they're going to be somebody and I either really like you or you're off my planet. There's very little,
0: (laughs) but you can be that way now. It's, I mean, we can be that way. Here's the thing. We should be that way from the very beginning. Um, and going through everything I have in relationships has taught me a shitload about like, what the fuck was I thinking at 20, 21 years old? Why did I care if I ever heard from that idiot ever again, but I cared. Of course. And so it's just, Oh my God, I've learned the gamut in terms of relationships, but it is, it's like, we always have that power that if we don't like somebody, we can, it's okay not to like that person. Um, and just cause we've had one date, two date, three dates, whatever it may be. And so, yeah, I think that's a powerful statement. It's like, yep, we're, we're done here and that's okay to be done.
1: Yeah. And I think that, I think I, I loved my husband so much. And I was like, how will I ever care about someone? Well, it turns out like there's 7 billion people in the world <laughs> yeah. and there's a billion choices you make every day that change each path that you go on. Like so many things can change and so many people can come into your life. So I've really worked on staying open to miracles and like staying open to the fact that there's a thousand different people to love. And I feel like I have a good picker. I think sometimes if you have a bad picker, it's a good time to take a stop. I feel like one of the things I'm good at is finding good men um, because I value relationships over everything. So um, but I still, I get twisted. I still that like, at my age, I'm still like, why does it, he bugged me that, oh, I don't like this. And then I was just like, Kelsey, hold it lightly. But that's my work to go. Like, you don't sure. have to respond and react and feel all of it all the time. Just like sometimes just hold it lightly. Like that's always my thing now. Like hold it lightly. Yeah. Let the emotion flow over you. Don't put too totally. much on it. Just chill out sister. You've been through a lot. Just yeah. relax, relax and try that new position. After two glasses right? Of- go for it. Do your thing,
0: girl. <laughs> after it. It's yeah. I mean, and honestly, it's we do go through that phase. A lot of women that are here on the beam life are those high achievers. gram three is get it done uptight, structured, oh. you know, and to have that self-awareness because you know, we have the power to change things, but it comes through self-awareness first. So I think it's amazing that through his death and through your processing and realizing like the push and pull that you had in your relationship, how much that has been like this pathway for you to be able to move forward in this way and have the possibility of a relationship again and love again and great sex. Um, and I think it's awesome. It's, it's very, I know, very hopeful, even for people going through divorce too, because I know that's a big Uh, thing. Like, am I ever going to be in love? Am I ever going to find somebody again? Like how is this going to work for me? And so.
1: Yeah, we all, we we all will, if we choose, I do think we are rewriting marriage. I do think there is a movement that is very clear. And I read an article in New York times last weekend, and I felt this great relief. Like I may just like, Vacation with my girlfriends when I'm older. I don't know. The traditional yeah. marriage seems like it's a bit on its way out. If it's not for you, for you, and yes. it was for me, but for me, it was about family and it was about um, doing life together and growing up together. I can't recreate that. I can't. Sure. I can't meet someone at 19 again. I can't grow up with someone again. So I have to change my yes. perception on what this real this next relationship is for. So I think marriage. You know, I think. 40 years ago, if you were a widow, you had to remarry quickly to the brother or the neighbor or somebody. And definitely a man remarries in like an hour. Right. We can't do it. But when you're a woman and you go through this, you have these great women friendships. My, my girlfriends from high school are my people. And so I had this awareness that I could, you know, maybe I'll live with one of my friends and maybe I'll travel with them and then maybe I'll have different lovers or maybe I'll find someone that, that, that just, it works for, and maybe it works for 10 years, 10 years, five years. But I'm noticing that when you don't have this box and you obviously are the greatest example of that, there's a thousand ways to, to be in love with someone and it doesn't have to look the way it used to. Um, and that has been, I just, I, right after he died, I was like, I have to remarry again. And I have to buy (laughs) a house with someone and we need to play house and they need to call him daddy. Yes. Yes. My kids were like, Oh, (sighs) not happening. sister. They were We're like, we're
0: not ready for this mom.
1: They're like no place. And now I'm much more open to whatever the experience is. Um, but I do believe in being in relationship is the best way. A lot of people go like being alone is really good for you. And I agree with that. But I, I believe my own shit until I get into a relationship and someone shows it to me. Yeah, that's where I really see where I have some areas of growth. Um, so for me, being in a relationship is my happy place. And it's also the place I grow the most being alone is a kind of regroup.
0: Totally. And I think really it's like a, it's a boundary of you're okay to be alone, but you're also love being in relationship. And I think that that's like I'm the same way. I love being with people and a person who facilitates my growth and that I can enjoy dinners with and conversations and have no hair washing for weeks at a time and still loves me. And I also like doing things solo living my life, you know? And so it has, it has been through a lot of things that I've been comfortable doing that. And I think that that's where we find the balance. Um, as we like start to wrap up this conversation, which I love, and there's been so much good stuff. And I, what I love the most about podcasting is that even though we've talked a gazillion times, and I know the ins and outs of your story and book good conversation is like, I still find something new about you and new insight. And this has been so awesome. If you had to take like Maybe it's two things, one thing, whatever it is. But, like, what is the one thing that, like, how, what is your new outlook on life after experiencing all that you have?
1: That it's all okay. That, like, it's all okay. Like, the worst times are okay. The best times are okay. But this thing is much bigger, much more complicated and beautiful and orchestrated that we don't have as much free will as i thought. I used to think you could think yourself out of things, but i think that we all are called to have certain experiences and where the choice comes in is how we decide to deal with them. Yeah. And so that gives me great peace. There's a great sense of surrender for me that i i think when you're an achiever, you you think you're the You're the engine that makes everything happen. And if you just get organized and do your list and da, 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 da. I'm not. (laughs) Yeah, you're not. (laughs) It's not. So I have my whole life thought like if I just like did what I was supposed to do and I drove forward and I got a job or whatever, all that stuff. um, It was exhausting because it was all on me. And so now this is since this like expansiveness of surrender and letting go and Mm. saying, I came here to have this human experience and to take this body on. And I, there's a thousand different experiences I can have to learn these lessons, but all along the way, the agency I have is how I deal with those and those will then lead to the next options. So there's um, I'm just more, I'm just floating on the river instead of swimming.
0: Yeah. swimming totally.
1: And that I love is
0: it. So
1: relaxing.
0: What I, a great mantra. It's all. Yeah. Okay.
1: It's all okay. It is in the end. Yeah. It all works out, and it hasn't worked out. It's not the end. And the end is when you leave the body and you go back yeah. to where I believe is just love, wherever that is, yeah. whatever you call it. It just it's and it's really okay there because I can hear Nate. Nate's always like, "You're good." Like if you have a everything's person, fine. If you have a dead person. Talk to them as much as you can because you will hear them, and they they'll tell you like, "Yes, honestly, relax." Like that's no one's ever said from heaven like, "Get going." No, they're yeah. like, yeah. Move faster. Why yeah. haven't you finished this yet? That's not yeah. good enough. Keep going. More seriously. That project really matters. No, they say like, love more, <laughs> serve more, rest more. Yes, yes. You know, Go into nature. So if you listen to the divine, if you listen to your dead people, if you get it. it <laughs> listen you know, to
0: your dead people. I love it. Listen
1: to your dead people. The, the message is like, just shh, you're okay. You're okay. Yeah. And that to me has been the greatest change and gift is that I just surrender to this experience much more fun than trying to
0: manage Control it, all. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's next for you?
1: God, You know, that's my new thing. I don't know. I just, today is today. I do what's before me. I, um, I stand in gratitude. I meditate a lot. I cry a lot. I do all the things that you know, I I do all the things that a live person should do. Yeah, and, and you just I'm um, I'm mean, actually right now I am de- desperately enjoying my children. The last couple of years it goes so damn slow in the beginning, and now my son's almost seventeen, so I know I have two years with him. So I am going against everything my body says, which is step out of the career stuff, step out of like the rush. There's time for that. Yeah. Um these moments will go by very quickly. So I, I realized that my kids will be gone in the amount of time Nate's been gone. And it feels like a blink. Yeah. So I have, um, I'm going to mother, I'm going to mother these teenagers and just sit around, make sure they're not doing meth and sex. In the right. Problems. I'm just going to be the lamp in the living room.
0: Make sure they're me. not kissing people and getting pregnant, you know,
1: oh, getting pregnant or COVID, whatever you get when you kiss these days. But um, <laughs> yeah, I'm not for the first time. I don't know where I'm going, but I'm really happy where I am, which is
0: just oh, so good. You. That's the only place to be. It's to I be know. right here, right now.
1: But some days it could be uncomfortable, and you just yeah. gotta stay. Yeah. But that's gotta it. stay in it. That's it. We'll
0: uh, see- thank you so much for all of this. This was such what exactly what I needed today. Um, as always. So thank you for sharing your story and your hope and your light. And I'm just so grateful for this relationship. And I know whatever is next will be just as wonderful as you. So thank you so much, you. Kelsey. I
1: love you. I love you. Like
0: love you too. Love
1: you. Thank you.
0: You are the best, bean babe. Thanks for listening to my podcast. If you love this episode, it would mean so much if you would share it with another beam babe or post it on social and tag me at the beam Life, so I can tell you thank you for helping me share the mission. You can also send me a text. Yes, a real text to 323-673-2709 where we can connect outside of the podcast. You can either chat with me one-on-one or just receive the weekly text I send to beam you up throughout your week. Anyways, it's been fun as always, and I'm honored to be a part of your journey. Until next time, keep beaming, babe.